take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Matthew, the second chapter, continuing on with our series this Christmas. Say it with me. The King is coming. How many of you believe that? Say it with me. The King is coming, all right? And we talked about our vast or wide array of application of this. And I told you before, I'm not making a prophecy that, you know, Christmas morning, Jesus is coming back as far as this, uh, the, resur- or the, the um, for him to come back in the, let me get it right here, all right, in the second coming, in, uh, in the rapture. But I am telling you this, that he is coming back for us. He's promised it. And uh, some of us, for the very first time, or some of us are coming back to know the Lord. Maybe you have some people, and, and I believe that the Lord can put it upon your heart, and you can be involved in this equation whereby people will come to know Jesus. Uh, it, there's not another holiday, there's not another time of year in which more focus you know, and attention is given towards the, the birth of the Savior of this world, all right? And, and I know Easter is just as important because it gets it going as far as the price has been paid, but you can't have a death without a birth, right? And I'm, I'm so thankful for the Lord. So uh, as we uh, go through this, I would like to just remind us about where we began, all right? And we basically have been traveling in this path, uh, looking at how important it is for us to realize that Jesus Christ is coming. So go ahead and give us that, that first slide, if you would, please, and uh, with the scripture verse. And we're using this particular passage as something that we're looking forward to, not just about what has happened historically. Too many people kind of take a look at Christmas, and all they're thinking about is what happened in the past. But I want to tell you what's to come, all right? That's why the king is coming. And so we find here in uh, Revelation chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Say soon. All right? Soon for us and soon for God's a little bit different, okay? But guess what? It's going to be soon enough for us, all right? And, and he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Now the word gives us in another location a a caution. And it says this, it says that we should be watching for. Looking for the return of the Lord. Now, there's another place in Scripture that says he's going to come like a thief in the night. But there are individuals who can be aware. We, cannot, we don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But guess what? We can recognize the, the, the season that we're in. And we can recognize the era of time that we're in. There is nothing else that has to happen in the prophetic realm before Jesus would return. His, his return is imminent. That means it can happen immediately, and it is near. And I, I really think it would do the church good to live that way, all right? So the latter part of that, in verse number 7, if you would, please, says this. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. And he says, this is Jesus, all right? I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Mighty. Listen, he knows he, who he is. How many of you know who you are? He knows who he is. He knows who he wants you to be. But how many of us know who we are? The very first week we talked about how we have rights because of his rights. He is rightfully the heir of the, of, of the kingdom of God. He is the king of kings, all right? And, and be, due to his genealogy, due to the life that, that, uh, that, that people lived before him, the way that God lined things up, guess what? That made it so that he had a rightful place. But guess what? Because of that, you have rights that you otherwise wouldn't have. 
You're joint heirs with him, co-heirs with him, all right? And then we said this. We said that his supernatural, right? Look at this next one, please. His arrival gives us supernatural access. There's some people who are content in the Christian world to walk around in a natural way. But I want to tell you something. Every single day, God wants to do something in your life in a supernatural way. Every single day. We just don't understand it. We just don't see it. But I suggest to you that if you intentionally would be recognizing the work of the Spirit in your life, the opportunities that there are supernatural. In other words, we, we sometimes just say, well, it naturally occurs that I ran into so-and-so. There, there's, there's coincidence. There's something that happens from time to time. But there is supernatural connections that God is expecting and wanting to do in your life and you to speak a word in the right moment. And because Jesus came, because of his arrival, you have that supernatural access. And then last week we said this. Go ahead, if you would, please. Our response to his coming changes everything. And we looked at the response of these three magi, right? And they came down and they worshipped him. They sought him out. They looked for him. And, and, and it wasn't easy, right? Their journey uh, began and they had to, you know, overcome some things. That they, they had a supernatural experience with the angels speaking to them, right? And so it's important for us to realize that, that the Lord wants us to worship him. And today, this thought that I had for you from our text is this. His coming cannot be stopped no matter what? No matter. I left that blank because no matter who, no matter why, or no matter what. Do you hear what I'm saying? His coming cannot be stopped. No matter who, no matter why, or no matter what. Now listen, I know we could fill in the blank and we could put all kinds of explanations and excuses about the things that would postpone or prevent Jesus from coming into your loved one's lives. But I'm here to tell you today, he's giving you supernatural access. We're not asking for natural uh, uh, an understanding. We're not asking for just a mental assent. If you can talk somebody into living for Jesus or giving their heart to God, all right, if you by your, by your mental intellect can do that, say, doesn't it make sense to you? Someone else can come by and talk them out of it. But when the Holy Spirit... When that Holy Spirit comes in and speaks to them in a manner and way that solidifies something deep inside, it can't be taken away. When the things start to go wrong, they're reminded by the Spirit that I, that you are a child of God. I'm a child of God, right? And so here in Matthew chapter 2, um, uh, verse 13 I want us to take a look at this. All right, it says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. Get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up. He took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son." Now, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in its vicinity, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. 
Now, if you've read that passage before and you wonder what some of these inferences are to or some of these Old Testament references are, you've got to go back to the Old Testament to understand how this scripture makes sense. And so that's what we're going to do a little bit today. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a history lesson, but, but hopefully I, w- I want you to see the application of what's going on. You see, the apostle uh, Matthew, uh, he took and he wrote this gospel so that you could clearly understand that Jesus was the Messiah. He's writing to this Jewish audience, and he's trying to convince them using the Jewish arguments about who Jesus is and why he should be allowed to have access into their hearts. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't ever try to use the mental, okay, or the, uh, the, the intellectual to, to go ahead and get to people, but it will never happen by itself. You just can't be a good debater and expect to win people to Jesus. But you can't expect it when you pray. The Holy Spirit will open up their hearts. You know, the thing about it is that there's going to be imposters that you're going to meet. There are going to be individuals whom are going to be hypocritical and saying one thing and doing another until Jesus comes back. And for some of those reasons, or some of the, the main reasons in which people say they don't want anything to do with the church or they don't want anything to do with Christianity. I'm telling you, to be an imposter or to be a a, a hypocrite, or to be something other than what you are claiming to be is nothing new, all right? It was happening all the way back in the time of King Herod. You see, King Herod was an imposter. I don't know how many of you knew that. But King Herod was not even the legal one in which was to be set up in the sense of in Jewish line in order to be the king. He himself only sat on the throne by virtue of Rome who ruled Judah only by the right of military force. Herod was an Edomite. He wasn't even a Jew. And yet he was in this spot. He had no legitimate claim to the, to the Jewish uh, throne at all. And he therefore feared that someone was going to come in and change some things up. You ever see that in some people? You try to convince them of some truth, and when the truth starts to be exposed within their life, all of a sudden they're fearful that it's going to be uncovered, and everything that they had built up, all this, this facade, all this impression, all this, this um, even um, uh, this uh, popularity type of stuff, it's one of the greatest ob- objectives that people have in coming to know Christ is that they won't humble themselves. One of the greatest assets that we have as far as being part of the body of Christ is coming into line with what we see as a vision for the church. And that is that we be a real people serving a real God and making a real difference, right? God's not looking for fakes. He's not looking for imposters. And so Jesus the Messiah shows up in this miraculous way. And guess what? It's confirmed over and over again that he is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. You see, his coming cannot be stopped No matter what. No matter what, right? Do you know that there's some 330 Old Testament predictions concerning Jesus coming? 330. Matthew, in his gospel, highlights 50 of them alone. Now, think about what it would take in order for someone to, for for a group of people, to take and to pick a little baby. And say, we're going to orchestrate all of the events over the last number of hundreds of years. 
And we're going to cause for all those things to come together so that this particular baby can look like he is the Messiah. You couldn't have caused all those events to take place. And yet all 330 Old Testament prophecies of Jesus being who he is was fulfilled in one person. And only one person. Nobody else fits the bill. Except for Jesus. It's incredible when you think about it. And Matthew points out about 50 of them. And we're going to take a look real quickly about four particular things concerning the geographical location of where, um, of where Jesus, where some events was taking place. But these are prophetic events as well. And, and I want you to know, the enemy has a plan. If you're a guest here today, I'm telling you what, the, the enemy, and, and you're not used to this, all right, this gathering, I want to you know, let you know the enemy has a plan to confuse you, to make you think, all right, that, that, that this is just a, a, a religious ritual, that it doesn't really have much significance. It's just what everybody does this time of the year. Now, most of you aren't guests. Most of you here are, are, are here on a regular basis. But he's even still after you today. He's trying to get you to think that when you come into a church that you can just check off your spiritual, you know, attendance sheet and you can say, I was there. But I'm telling you what, the enemy, he, he's not satisfied, okay, with just uh, um, with, with stopping you from knowing Christ, he's coming in trying to steal your faith all the way along in your journey. And if you don't realize that, then he's going he's gonna to slide in, okay, and he's going to try to cause for you to do a, have a sneak attack on you. Now, last week, we get excited because guess what? The Magi, they know who he is. Brings great encouragement. They brought the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And uh, we see that that's important because that's going to help out Joseph and the family a little bit later on. God is a planner. Did you hear what I said? God is a planner. You may not understand what's going on in your life. You may not understand why you have lack in this particular occasion. But if you have lack because you're a child of God, then God's got an answer right around the corner. He's got something that he wants to do that you don't get any credit for. He wants to show you that he is your source. But here the deal is, and this is one of the points that I would like to uh, bring out for us today. I see something really important concerning my future and yours. And that is that God's will is more easily accomplished when we obey. Like, Pastor, that's not really profound. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Everybody knows that. Then why does not everybody live that way? Boy, if I could calculate and count up on, on my hands how many times I, I have heard a still small voice and didn't listen and kind of went someplace else. I'm like, man, why didn't I listen to that still small? Why didn't I obey in that moment? To obey is better than sacrifice, God says in his word. Some of you are bakers in here. Any bakers in here? Raise your hand if you're a baker. All right? You've, oh, not that many. All right? Not many bakers today. All right? <laughs> but but <laughs> how many of you would like to be a baker? Raise your hand. Okay? But you mess up probably in this other area. That's following the directions. Right? You think you got it right. You venture out on a path. And, 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 and you just, uh, you're traveling along. And you're like, okay, well, that looks like a half a cup. 
How many figured out right now that your calculations and your eyes, the way you see some things, aren't always accurate, right? And, and, and so if you don't follow the directions, sometimes you get a whole lot something different than what you thought you was going to get. And, 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 but there are some people who, who can do it, all right? They can just look at those things and, and they're bakers. But I want to tell you something. God is setting us up for success, not failure. God did not want you to go through and keep on wondering about what's going to happen next. He said, I'm sending my son. My son's going to come in a miraculous way. I wonder if you will receive him as the Messiah that he is or if you're just going to go ahead and go along with everybody else and just look at it as some historical cute little event. But I want you to know today that, that Joseph didn't look at it as a cute little event. He took it very serious. He took this woman to whom he was going to be married, and she giving him this news, and he had a little freak-out moment, all right, a, a controlled freak-out moment, all right, but he said, how can I marry her now? I'm going to have to put her away quietly. But rather than putting her away, an angel of the Lord came to him and said, listen, I want you to understand, this is of God. This is of the Holy Spirit. He believed it at that moment, but he also believed it in this particular moment. Joseph obeyed the angel. The angel of the Lord said, get up. What did Joseph do? He got up. He said, get out of, get out of here and go to Egypt. What did Joseph do? He went out and got up and went to Egypt. Now, don't you think that Joseph could come up with all kinds of reasons about why not to go and do what the angel of the Lord had told him to do? Absolutely he could have. But the angel, and, and, and I don't know how many more times that Joseph had had a visitation from an angel before. But this person shows up that he obviously bears witness with him, is divine, is from God. And he says, I'm going to do this. I'm concerned today that we could have some, some, some phenomenon, something that would take place within the body of Christ with some people. And as is happening for some, and, 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 and it's plain as day about what you should do, how devoted you should be, what you can do for having spiritual success in your personal life. And rather than do it, we try to come up with other ways. He says, listen, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And we still have people say, I don't know where God is. I don't know where he is. I pray, I pray, I pray, I don't hear anything. I read, I read, I read, I don't feel anything. Well, nowhere in the word of God are we told that we're supposed to go ahead and, and put up this barometer or this measurement stick about when we're convinced, all right, that, that God speaks. How about that we just go ahead and do what he tells us to do and then believe it and let faith start to erupt within us. And then all of a sudden we start to see God show himself up in our lives in these unbelievable ways. Now, you might think Joseph could have come up with some excuses. Well, how do I get from here to there? And then all of a sudden it comes into mind, oh, these three gifts, this gold, this frankincense, this myrrh. Maybe I can sell a little portion of these things in order to get to the next place. God's always a provider. You, you know, I've heard people complain about things breaking down. How many's had a car break down before? You're bummed about it, right? And after you got the car fixed, something else went wrong on it, right? It's just one thing after another. It's a, a particular a piece of equipment in your house. It breaks down, and we stress over it. But I'm here to tell you today that all of that stuff has happened, and I'm still here today, all right? I mean, you, you still have the food that you eat. It may not be the food that you want. You still have the car that you drive. You still have the transportation, even if it was a bus to get here or a bicycle. Listen, it is not our job to take and to look at God and say, listen, I want things this way. But to realize instead that God, when you obey, will provide for you and take care of you 
and have his plan accomplished in your life. Here's the second point I want to make today. His plans for you have already been written. You believe that? His plans for you have already been written. He has already ordained. He knows whether or not today that you are going to receive him or if you're going to reject him. Well, here in our text, in verse number 15, it says, So was fulfilled what the Lord has said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Now, it's interesting here that this particular, these are the words of the prophet Hosea from Hosea chapter 11, verse number 1. This is a particular occasion when it was talked about that, that they were going to be brought up out of Egypt. And, 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 and I want you to know something. The prophets, God has them working together, not just giving different messages. There's another prophet by the name of Jeremiah. Anyone ever hear Jeremiah before? You know what one of his uh, adjectives or the words that describe Jeremiah? Jeremiah is known as what kind of prophet? The weeping prophet. <laughs> Any weepers in here? Possibly, right? Yeah, you, 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 might, you might weep a little bit, but there's some people weep so much all the time for, for the sorrowful events. There's a happy weeping, all right? But, but even Jeremiah, he was a little bummed out in the early days of his ministry because he ministered for so long, day after day, year after year after year, and nobody was coming to know the Lord. No, there didn't seem to be much of a difference at all. But here, God uses Jeremiah, speaks to him and says, I want you to know something. I've got a plan for you. Put that scripture verse up there if you would, please. This is what the Lord says through Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Now, this is after that the nation of Israel had been taken into captivity, all right? For I know the plans I have for you. Come on, let's read that together. For I know the plans I have for you, all right, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then, say then. You will call upon me and, I, and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Now, I will listen to you, all right? Now, we got to be doing some listening too, right? God's listening to us. we got to be doing some listening to him in this whole obedience thing. Look here. Go ahead and finish it out, please. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? You know what that suggests to me? There's a way in which I can do it with part of my heart. <laughs> Not wholeheartedly. I could go through some of the religious ritual, the calisthenics, because that's what's expected. But it doesn't become life-changing. It becomes life-changing when I do it with all my heart. When I get desperate. When I get to this place and say, I cannot go on in this day and expect that anything will matter at all. Unless I do it wholeheartedly, unless I do it all in. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of your husbands are here today, and your wives have given you a task. You know what I'm saying? And they said, I want you to, to mow that lawn, or I want you to do this. Or, or maybe you're giving an assignment to the kids or something like that. And they go out there, and begrudgingly they will do whatever task it is, raking the leaves. You know, I, I, I like to get all the leaves gone. Now, I'm not catching the leaves as they're falling. But I, I, I like, if I'm, if I'm going to take up the leaves, I expect to get all the leaves at that given moment in time. There's some people who think that, guess what, there's more leaves on the tree that's going to fall. Let's just go ahead and wait for them to fall. So don't matter if we leave a few. So go get that leaf. That's wholehearted. 
You might say, Pastor, that, that's ridiculous. No, no I, I, mean, I mean there's a way in which we can live our life and be wholehearted or, or not. He says, I will be found by you when you seek me with all your heart, declares the Lord, and, and, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banish you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Note here, he was the one doing the carrying into where? Exile. The Lord was going to take that situation that they were experiencing, and he was going to say, I'm going to use it for your good. Matthew tells us that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus stayed in Egypt until the death of Herod. It looked like everything was, was going wrong. They had to, I mean, they had to jump on and, and get going and run to Bethlehem in order to be counted. Mary's pregnant. It's not convenient. I got no place for her to really give proper delivery. We find out that we're, she's going to give delivery in the stable. And then we receive this news that we got to get out of town quick. I need to obey because it's been foretold. It's been foretold that God has a plan for my life. I'm telling you, it's been foretold that God has a plan for your life here today. Things are not happening by happenstance. God is orchestrating some, some connections for you to have with some people, even the, the not-so-kind ones, even the ones where people treat you with disrespect and dishonor. God can work through those things and orchestrate those things and give you an opportunity to let the Spirit of God shine through you. You believe that? Matthew Henry wrote a, some commentaries, and he said this. He says, consider this, how Herod now thought he, was he had baffled all the Old Testament prophecies. He defeated the indications of the star and the devotions of the wise men by ridding the country of this king. Having burnt the hive, he concludes he had killed the master bee. But God. Say, but God. You see, he thought he had killed out the Messiah by wiping out those children, those boys, some two, two years and under. Think about how cruel that must have been of that plan within a, a man's heart. I want to tell you something. He's still calling you. He's written things out for you. He's waiting for you to step into his plan. His coming cannot be stopped no matter what. He's coming to your heart right now. He's coming to your mind right now. He's telling you, I believe in you. I have a plan of success and prosperity for you. It may be different prosperity than what you think. Don't get in that comparison mode. But let me tell you something. Don't give up on God. He will not be stopped in his coming no matter what. Third thing I want you to get is this. Our realization of his coming is going to bring out the ugly in the devil. It's going to bring out the ugly in the devil. How many of you know that the devil's an ugly guy? <laughs> He's ugly in his dealings. He's unfair in all the things that he do, does. He orchestrates and works through people. I know the Bible says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. All right, but how many of you have a hard time with that from time to time? 
You look at somebody and you could say you got ugly all over you. You got devil all over you, right, you know. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about. But you look at them and you say, listen, I got to remind myself that my struggle is not against flesh and blood. And right now I got to come against the ugly of the devil, against the kingdom of God. Of, of, um, of darkness, and and here is Herod, and he was so furious. He, the Bible says that he was enraged, he was livid, he was he was completely beyond control, is what that basically means when he was furious. His crime was was absolutely crazy. Listen, the devil is going to do all kinds of things in your life to magnify the things that are wrong. That's the devil ugly. All right. The devil ugly is taking and looking at the things that's happening in your life and making you think that there's no way that anything will ever change. How many of you can buy, you would be real enough to say with somebody right now that you've experienced discouragement at a level that has caused you to feel so down that, that you were embarrassed that, 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 uh, with regards to even the, the, the state of depression that you may have gone into. Could someone say, I've experienced some deep, deep, dark places of discouragement and even depression. Can you say that with anybody here today? Yeah. Look how, how common that is. And the enemy wants to magnify that and make you think, so if God loves you, why would he let you go there? Why would he let you go there? Listen, it's the devil ugly, all right? He's trying to get you to magnify and concentrate upon that. He's trying to make Herod and all of his little imps and all of his little uh, 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 soldiers look like there's just no way that you can come up against him, all right? But I want to tell you something. The Bible says this, greater is he that is within you than he that's in the world. The Bible says, and I'm giving you the word of God today, says that, that there is no one, all right, there's no weapon formed against you that will prosper. The Bible says that if he is for me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter what he brings. It doesn't matter how ugly he is. But guess what? I want to make the devil more ugly. You know what I'm saying? I want to make him more, a little bit irritated, a little bit more determined. But, but I do that by my praise. I do that by my response. I do that by my worship. I do that by going through a hard time and saying, you know what, you've done this. You tried to get me to focus on this, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to focus upon his greatness in my life. Amen? How many of you want to do that with me? All right, four of you. Okay, that's good. All right. You know, Jeremiah 31.16 says this. This is what the Lord says, restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. Then they will return from the land of the enemy. I jumped ahead in that scripture verse, but this last point is this. Our realization of his return must, say must, look beyond the now. It has to look beyond the now. Apostle Paul speaks of a place and he says, listen, the problem is that some of us are not content with the things that we have. And some people venture down the wrong path and think that that contentment means that you've got to receive everything that the devil throws at you. But I'm telling you what, there are some things that's happening in your world, okay, that God is allowing you to go through, but it's not the end of the story. You've got to look beyond the now. You got to take a look at some of those nows that's happening in that lost loved one that you're praying for, and that person who's in addiction or is in bondage and such. And you got to say, I know that this is how this is right now, but I look beyond this because I know that God has a future.
I know that he's got something in store for you. Now, sometimes you can't say this to the person face-to-face because they're not ready to receive it. But guess what? Remember, we're not trying to do a face-to-face encounter all the time anyway. We're trying to do one in the supernatural realm. We've we got supernatural access, and it's against those forces of, of darkness, all right, those principalities that we're trying to bring down anyway. So we pray in the spirit, and we begin to say, God, I recognize right now things are not the way in which I want them to be, all right? Things are not even the way in which you want them to be. But it's not there where I'm going to reside. For my realization is that you will return, and and, and you are coming back. And it could be this Christmas that you're coming back for my loved one. I don't know when it's going to be. Well, one thing I know is that you said soon and very soon I will see the king, right? How many of you are looking forward to that? I know it's a song. I know it's something that we can, we can kind of jump on the, on, on the bandwagon with. But I want to tell you something. It's important for you to realize that there's enough downers that's happening in the world today. It'd be real easy to walk around in a discouraged state and to talk about everything that's going wrong. I think it's important that sometimes we just greet some people and we say, tell me, Three good things or one good thing that's going right in your life right now. Because sometimes the things that we speak about are everything that's in the now and everything that's wrong. And I think we need a realization. We need a realization that guess what? We're going to look beyond the now. now. Now to that scripture verse in Jeremiah 31, 16. You know, this part of the, of the passage when it says before in Matthew chapter 2, verse 18, that there was a voice heard in Ramah. Weeping and, and great mourning, and Rachel was weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is this is coming from this particular uh, place here in Jeremiah, where he says, "Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be re- rewarded." Declares the Lord, "They will return from the land of the enemy." Here is the second occasion when the people are coming out of Egypt. Jesus is going to come out of Egypt. We know that, guess what? The Israelites came out of Egypt. Egypt was, was was recognized as the sin place, right? They got into Egypt because of their own, their own things and their desire. They started to like the things that the, that the Egyptians had to afford to them. They even got out in the desert, and when things wasn't going the way in which they wanted to go, they says, you know what? This hardness is too hard. I think we'd rather go back and me eating at the hand of our slave masters, doing those crazy, ridiculous things, than to be out here experiencing the presence of God and not having everything the way we want it. I, I, I got to be real with you here today. Can I do that? Praise team, come up if you would, please. Things are not always going to go the way in which you want them to go. And the enemy is going to want you to focus in upon the now. And you can't do it. You've got to get to the place where you say, I know that he has a plan for me. I know that he has a future for me. And, and, and I want you to understand that this nation of Israel is a perfect example of us. For us, as far as to look at it. And you can go all the way back to Genesis in chapter 50, verse 18, when we understand that Joseph could understand something that other people couldn't get a hold of. The occasion was when Jesus, Joseph was going to reveal himself to his brothers. They'd mistreated him. 
They'd done all kinds. They sold him into slavery. And his life was just chaotic after that. Unjust, unrighteous types of things that happened to him. The brothers did what they did out of spite and out of jealousy. But here in verse number 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him and said, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God has intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Listen to this. The saving of many lives. The saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. There might be some Herods in your life. Some people that look like they're propped up and they're in a position to wreak havoc in your life. It may be an authority figure. And you may feel overwhelmed. You may feel depressed and discouraged. But I'm here to tell you today it's not the end of the story. If God hasn't placed them there, they're just propped up. They're imposters. The true King of kings and the Lord of lords, his name is Jesus, and he is the Messiah. And he has come here to this earth one time to pay the price for our sins, but he is coming again. He's going to liberate you from all the bondage and all the problems and all the trials and all the struggles and all the nows that hold you back. But the choice is up to you. The choice is up to you. You're here today. You have the opportunity to start on a path that will forever change your course, your direction. But you've got to accept him. You've got to say, here I am. I submit to you, Lord. Teach me. Teach me how to love you. Teach me how to acknowledge you. Teach me how to value your presence. And he says, I will. I'm going to do it by the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to do it by association also with the body of Christ. They're going to help you to be able to grow in the Lord. So I'd like for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed, if you would, please. And you're here today and you say, I need to get into a right relationship with the Lord. I realize that the devil's ugly. Kingdom of darkness is ugly. But the thing is, God's got a bright future for me. And I choose to receive him. I choose to accept him as my Lord and my Savior all the days of my life doesn't mean you won't have hard days. It doesn't mean there won't be tough nows. But one thing is for sure, he will never leave you or forsake you. Everybody else is praying right now. All of you who know Jesus, you're praying right now. If anybody here does not know him, then in these next few moments they're going to experience a freedom. They're going to experience a liberty right now. If you want to get right with Jesus, you're not right with him. You don't have a, a, a relationship that you could say he's your master and he's your Lord. Will you lift up your hand and start that relationship today? You're in this place today. That's me. Anybody here today? That's you. Where are you at? Yes. God bless you. I see that. Yes, someone else, please. Is there anyone else here today? You can put your hand down. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else here today? I recognize that. That recommitment. That person wanted to make some, them things right. Amen. Anyone else here today? Is there someone here today that you've been overwhelmed with the now? The worry, the depression, the discouragement is weighing heavy on you. And you, 
in all humility, would lift up a hand and say, I need him now. I need him to become the now in my life. Is that you right now? Lift up your hand, please. Something's going on. I, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring a peace and a strength and a joy and a freedom to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You see these hands. You know who they are. You can put them down. We stand to your feet in this place right now. Pray with me, church, would you please? Heavenly Father, we come here right now. We recognize that we have an opportunity, God, to allow for you to take over. Lord, that we would be obedient. We'd find ourselves not walking in disobedience and walking according to a way that makes sense to us, but the way in which you tell us to go. And I pray for this individual who's making a recommitment to you today. I pray, Lord, right now, I pray with her before. I know, God, that you've got plans for her life. And I, I pray, God, that she would deal with that. She would understand the path of, of, of being right with you. That it, when we sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And right now, Lord, for those individuals who are going through a hard time, they're having a hard time with the now, I pray, God, that you would help them to realize that you will come into their situation no matter what, no matter who, no matter why. It doesn't matter who's the cause of it, but no matter, you will be there for them. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. In Jesus' name.